0: Hello, and welcome to the Equity Foundation podcast. The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of Actors' Equity. Our mission is to assist, educate, and inspire performers. To find out more, visit www.equityfoundation.org.au. Good morning,
1: everyone. Welcome to today's Equity Foundation live stream. My name is Alex Jones, and I am the Program Manager of the Equity Foundation. And today I have... The great pleasure in introducing our special guests, Alicia Roddus, intimacy director and coordinator, fight director, actor, and stunt performer. Alicia pioneered the position of intimacy coordinator for film and TV in the US, so we are thrilled to be able to welcome her today. Joining Alicia today is Nigel Poulton, movement director and choreographer, who trained with Alicia and is a certified intimacy coordinator. Before we commence, I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora nations, and pay my respects to all the traditional owners of country, and all throughout our country, and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture, and that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land, and we pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. I wanna take a minute to thank the Equity Foundation's principal sponsor, Media Super. Media Super has supported the foundation since our beginning in the early 2000s. They are your industry superannuation fund, and they can help you with your superannuation and provide you with financial advice. If you don't have their contact details, please, please let me know and I can give you the relevant details. Now, the foundation with the support of the Australian Council of the Arts and Screen Australia are very excited to be able to offer five scholarships to study towards a certificate of completion with Alicia and the team at IDC. This course will be completely online and spread over a 16 week period. Our aim is to have at least one participant in each state trained to the level of doing the work of an intimacy coordinator under the guidance of IDC. We seriously encourage those from an Indigenous or diverse background to apply. Details of this opportunity will be released on Thursday through the e-bulletin, social media and email to those of you in attendance today. If you have any questions prior to that, please send them through to info at equityfoundation.org.au. And we will endeavor to include the answers in our FAQ sheet at the launch. So a few technical details. As always, it's important that you mute yourselves. We are please we know we are recording this conversation for releases of podcasts. So it's doubly important that everyone who stays on mute, please, particularly if you have an iPhone, which can't be managed from here. And of course, because we are recording, for privacy reasons, there's no need to state your name if you are asking a question. There'll be questions towards the end, probably through the last 10 or 15 minutes. So uh, you can put those towards the chat and I will call on you and then you can put your hand up and you can ask the question directly. So, Mm -hmm. and of course, obviously, we usually run out of time before everyone's questions are answered. but put that in the send that through to the info at equity foundation and we'll endeavor to answer it okay so thank you and over to alicia and nigel
2: Uh, thank you alex thanks mary for putting this together Um, welcome alicia lovely to see you
3: thanks lovely to see you as well nigel as always
2: um, I would also uh, love to begin by acknowledging that I live, learn, and help storytell on the traditional and un- unceded lands of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island peoples. And today I want to acknowledge the Gubby Gubby people where I am standing today and pay my utmost respects to past, present, and future traditional custodians and elders of this land and acknowledge and am grateful for their special and unique contribution to our shared history as cultures. languages so um thank you all for taking the time out to join us today it's really exciting to be able to sit down and um sit down with someone who i have uh, an incredible amount of admiration and a very long connection with too um and um be able to talk about this um Rapidly evolving profession. <laughs> mm. um, do you think that a, a good place to start um, is because it's something that I uh, I come up against um, quite a lot. I come come up against it in my own head. Um, uh, you know, when I first started to um, when I first started to do this training, or before I started to do this training, but something I come up against. Um, that people question um, me about, which is the idea that um, why is it important to have intimacy coordinators and directors in our industry? Because, um, you know, I, I guess it is important, obviously, but, but why is it important? And why in, an, in a world where we're continually um, um, becoming more and more specialised, what is the justification for having an another layer of specialisation? Um inside this industry. Do you want to talk to that a little bit, Alicia?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, uh, First off, I also want to acknowledge that uh, I am on the indigenous land of the Lenape and Canarsie uh, indigenous people. um, And I recognize them as the past, present, and future caretakers of this land, um, colloquially known as uh, Queens, New York, uh, where I'm coming to you from. Uh, Now, uh, as to your question as far as why it is important to have an intimacy director or coordinator, um, the first thing is performer safety. Um, We are there to make sure that the performers are safe. And then the next is creative excellence. Um, You know, as we all know, we are coming from a situation or a background of a culture of silence around scenes of intimacy. Uh, this from theater and also in film and television. Um, the culture of silence comes from sometimes from a place of shame or just a place of not having the language or the um, uh, the vocabulary um, that was Felt to be appropriate around these scenes, um, and so you know, just in these past few years, really these past five years, um, it has become uh, come up to the forefront about how important it is to have one uh, trained professionals with the language and creativity around these scenes, um, knowing how to uh, talk people through them, also to uh, so that it crystallizes what the consent practice is. Um, I don't think I'm betraying any state secrets by saying that there's also a lot of power dynamics at play in the entertainment industry. And when you add in the idea of performing scenes with simulated sex, nudity, um, other intimate uh, situations like that, you know, we have a potential perfect storm for uh, for uh, unfortunate situations to occur, um, and because you know, in in film and television, but also in the theater, there is sort of a there's been a. Um, Uh, uh, sometimes a cavalier uh, um, feel around um, scenes of violence and intimacy. Um, Having trained professional there to make certain that the communication is flowing, um, everything is happening uh, uh, and there is safety that is concerned, but also that uh, we have um, the creative uh, considerations around what these scenes are. put those all together and having a third party there that is outside of the power dynamic, but also is there to help with the creativity of the scene and the choreography of the scene um, has just become and has picked up very quickly in Spread Like Wildfire because it has been so um, uh, 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 effective and efficient.
2: Awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna come back to the Spread Like Wildfire In a second, but I just want to pick up on a couple of things. Um, The culture of silence. I love that expression, Um, and I think that um, really uh, speaks to me um, and what has been happening in the industry for a long time. And it's and it really it kind of crystallizes why that 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 role is so important. And I guess you know, for me, it's like when I first. You know, when I first started, um, you know, like w- when did we meet? We met, you know, I don't know, fifteen years ago, and yeah. we 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 were we in the stage combat movement and and stunt industry, um, and it, for me as a as a practitioner in the industry, I I had inevitably been called on to do um, uh, intimate work. Yeah. Um, because there was no specialist doing it so you you kind of get deputized to do it and over the years you you hopefully develop um, respectful practices around that work um, but there's no real way to to assess or judge that other than you keep getting asked back to do it but there was no sort of formal process shaped around that and so when when you started, um, you know, when you started to um, gain recognition for your work, it that's when it started to become really apparent to me that um that there was this pathway and there was this um this specialization. And I, I gotta admit, my my you know, my first um, my first experiences about thinking about intimacy directing was and it was naive. It was like, uh, why, why do, why can't we all just have these values? Like, you know, like it doesn't seem like we need to have a specialist doing it. If we all just had these values, um, and and we we implemented these values on set or in the rehearsal room, wouldn't it be okay? And actually, it wasn't until you started working on film and you started to tell me about, um, you know, started to tell me specifically about what you're doing on film that the penny dropped for me. I was like, ah, okay, no. No, yes, everyone should have these values, absolutely, but you need the party uh, advocate that's the whole well, that's the whole point of it
3: and you that's the cool thing about that that, and that's the cool thing about about hiring an intimate and what we found is that hiring an intimacy director or intimacy coordinator is that it does tend to spread those values around someone they you know the rest of the crew the rest of the cast see that there is totally. a specialist being brought in specifically for this and then uh you find that the the um Things sort of elevate to a certain to a certain degree, and I'm glad you brought up the whole thing about about coming in from the fight direction world, um, because you know when I I was also deputized as and especially as a woman fight director you know, they, uh, so often I was being brought in for scenes of sexual assault, you know, see, you know, and where, where literally people would say to me, oh, thank God, you're a woman. Can you talk about this? And I was like, you know, my, it's not my gender that makes it, that makes me be able to have this vocabulary. It's certain things that I've been studying and certain things that I've been working through to, in order to have these conversations, um, you know, and I found myself in situations coming in as the fight director and uh you know I've recounted the story a few times but it's it's you know I've I was brought in to fight direct something and we got we were doing a slap into a kiss and we did the slap and the slap went great and you know set that and then you saw them go into the kiss and we didn't they didn't even communicate if they were going to kiss in this rehearsal and you just saw these two actors staring at each other going like i and the shoulders were up and the director just looked at me and was like, do you have something for, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. Well, why don't we talk about this? Like how we just talked about the slap. Why don't we talk about where our placement is? Why don't we talk about what the story is? Well, who initiates this? How, you know, and, and it was one of the first times that I ended up intimacy directing something. Um, and then of course, going down a, a very long road to, um, to crystallize that process. Um, but, you know, so often people would get deputized and thrown into doing something, and sometimes it would go well, and sometimes it didn't. Um, and so, you know, this special this specialty really bore out of, um, you know, those moments of people going, ah, uh, it's tech kiss, <laughs> you know, we were like, there must be a better way. And, and what do you know, there is,
2: yeah, it's, a, the, it's really interesting. Those protocols and frameworks that are provided, um, are, you know, are really important because they've never really been set in place. And so uh, while there absolutely has been people that do engage in this kind of work in a really respectful way, there's never been any consistency or there's never been any really clear pathways about how to how to train in it. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's a really important point to draw out. But I also love that, you know, that that analogy just reminds me of so many situations where you have these conversations. Um you could because it is a creative process, right? And it's about engaging in that creative process and how you how you have that conversation with the director and with the actors and how you start to shape the work. And and the 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 analogy of of stunt and fight choreography is obviously very present for for you and I because of our backgrounds, and we draw on that a lot. But it does it 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 appears time and time again, like a script says. Um, these two characters engage in an intimate moment and people automatically assume that that has to be the, you know, it has to be done like this and there's no room for creativity inside that. There's no room for negotiation. Unless there's a specialist on the floor that can come in and go, Hey, have you had a look at it this way? Here's another, here's another option. You know, based on the conversations that we had leading up to this moment, these things are appropriate. These things aren't appropriate. Unappropriate, irrespective of what's being said in the script. And I keep going back to the script may say the character punches another character in the face. Am, am I going to ask the actor to punch the other actor in the face? Of course not. Of course we're not right. going to do that. We're going to find a lot of different ways to, to create the same impact, impact that is being asked by the playwright or the screenwriter for that moment. And there's lots of different ways to explore that. And I think that's a really important element of the work, so to, so to speak. Yeah,
3: well, that's that's that whole disconnect that I think a lot of people had coming into intimate work. You know, there were so many directors that I worked with and, and professionals that I worked with who were like, well, intimacy is just intimacy, you know. You don't have to specialise in it. It's just uh, telling an intimate story. But, you know we come from this culture and this really goes, you know, across all, all countries and and cultures, as far as entertainment goes. And it's certainly the uh, entertainment industrial complex of like, if you're doing something intimate, it has to be real that we can fake a punch. We can fake whatever. But um, if an actor is bringing intimacy, it has to be their intimacy and their, you know, and, you know, at the end of the day, the, the whole idea is that, um, behind intimacy work, intimacy direction, intimacy coordination is it's not about how that actor kisses. It's how that character kisses. It's not about someone having to bring their own personal experience unless they want to, and they make that choice. Um, it's being able to be empowered to make this another storytelling moment, just like we would for anything else. And that, um, someone is not being pressured into, uh, Putting their their personal experience out there, um, and if they want to, that's a different conversation, and that's also can all around consent.
2: Yeah, it's setting up the framework to be able to have those discussions, um, and and create those opportunities, isn't it?
3: Yeah, and that, it's why that framework, these these um, the guidelines, the the specifics around um, setting what those. Uh, how we go about, um, creating intimate scenes, um, having those guidelines are so important. Um, you know, like I said, I, I think a lot of people pulled back from even talking about it because there's a lot of fear around offending, asking someone to bring their own personal experience in. And, you know, a lot of us even coming from, I, I went to, I, I, a BFA program in in acting, and I felt that I had to bring myself into so much into so much of things, and that's where a lot of our our culture of around acting training comes from as well. Um, and if you're not willing to put your personal life out there, then you somehow aren't willing to to go the full mile to um uh to to be in entertainment. Um, and what this is is telling us is no, that's that's not accurate. It's actually about the story we're telling, not about your personal experience. Right? Yeah, yeah. Beautifully put.
2: I want to circle back to the culture element too, like that because I have found. Um, you know, th- like the, the intimacy director or, or the intimacy coordinator is not responsible for the, the, you know, the the health and well-being of the cast through the whole production. They're there <laughs> for the moments that they're engaged to be Therefore, in the same way that a stunt coordinator is not responsible for their, their physical health and well-being of the performance through the, the whole run of the shoot. It's yeah, only for not the scene the that they're involved in. Yeah. So, But you're, it, it is fascinating, though, because by by taking the time and allocating the resource to engage an intimacy director or an intimacy coordinator, it does shift the culture of the room, doesn't it? It, it, yeah. it does. And I, I've had that experience time and time again. And I, I do a lot of work nowadays um I do a lot of work and I try and do it in the first couple, of, especially if we're working in theatre. In film, it's, you don't really have the opportunity. It's different. But in theatre, do, do, um, do consent and, and boundaries work with the cast straight up, um, as I know you do, because, you know, why do I do it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and, you know, and, it, and the, the impact that that has on the cast is incredible and every time i do it i have this this incredible response from from particularly the cast but also from stage management also from from directors the director just going wow that's amazing all of a sudden, everything has shifted and we feel so, so much more comfortable about this. We don't even know where we're going to go on this journey yet because we're in the first day of rehearsal. But, boy, we're excited about it and we're, we're, we're engaging with each other in a completely different level and we feel safe. And it's one of those really tangible moments that I keep experiencing where the culture literally does shift. It shifts because yeah. of that work.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it really is turning, turning that culture on its head of the just go for it, do anything, do anything for your, for your art, suffer for your art, do whatever, you know, and it's saying like, um, we can actually create a great process and a great product by empowering everyone to be able to be, uh, to bring safety and to do what is, um, uh, to bring what it is that they are, are able to bring that day. Um, you brought up the whole, the idea, and I, I, I think it's important to, to circle back to that, the whole idea of, you know, a stunt coordinator isn't the set medic. They're there to make sure that the process of the storytelling is safe um, in scenes of violence and the intimacy director, or intimacy coordinator, it's the same way. I've, I've had, you know, producers say, well, can we have you in for this? And can we have you in for this? And, you know, some of my favorite producers that I've worked with also employ a mental health professional on set. Uh, if they're doing a really intense, uh, scene, you know, um, you can look back at, uh, if you're familiar with, um, Uh, uh, Lovecraft country, um, you know, or uh, when they were doing the scenes in Tulsa, um, you know, there were there were mental health professionals there. The intimacy coordinator wasn't there for that. So, you know, again, but maybe the idea of having an intimacy coordinator opened up the other possibilities of that. But, you know, the intimacy coordinator, intimacy director isn't there as a mental health professional. We do employ techniques of mental health first aid and things like that so that if someone does go go through a mental health crisis while we're working on an intimate scene because God knows the body keeps the score. Things can come up in scenes like this. Um, We're there to make sure that they're safe. And if a mental health crisis happens, we're able to answer that and give resources, but we're not there to heal anyone, Um, you know, A nice byproduct of the work is that people can find doing intimate scenes very healing once they have been in unsafe situations doing intimate scenes. And that's a a beautiful gift of doing this work. But um, the intimacy director coordinator is not there to heal. They're there to make the space safe for uh, some some incredible creativity to be happening, um, to be telling that story.
2: Yeah, that's that's great, and it is, like it. Um, I guess the other element of that, really, you know, the the indirect byproduct is cultural safety as well. You know, the the what the the intimacy coordinated being in that space um, is um, indirectly or directly creating an environment which is you know spiritually and emotionally safe and and engaging for. People of all sorts of diverse backgrounds, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they are responsible for, um, you know, those components throughout the production. The production will get specialists in for it, but they do create um, a space. Ideally, create a space for people to feel safe at all sorts of different levels. And I think that's one of the kind of the most wonderful byproducts of the. Of the work really is it is it worth um I mean I think it's worth it but it's uh just sharing how you um you know what your journey was into this work
3: sure um yeah so so my journey into the work um like I said I I went I was trained as an actor um uh I started as a performer um around when I was 12 years old um uh, I think it's worth sharing that um, part of my experience as a performer is that I was, uh, from the time I was probably about 14, was cast as those, um, the the trope of the slutty best friend character. Um, uh, Me too. You know, I, <laughs> I'm sure, Nigel, I can absolutely <laughs> see it. <laughs> <laughs> um uh you know the the Ado annies and the Oklahoma's and stuff like that. I mean even doing musical theater it's like there was a there there I was that that character that was often found themselves um having to perform in intimate scenes. And to be honest, a lot of my experience I was very empowered by it. Um uh, I was very comfortable with my body um you know and I I felt and I, I wasn't in any situations that really, um, were, were mishandled, I would say at the beginning of my career. And then as I continued forward and I went to, um, uh, I went to school for acting. Um, I had some experiences that were, that were positive and I had some experiences that weren't so positive, um, in having intimate scenes or scenes where I had to express sexuality, uh, very freely. Um, and, uh, you know, I started to go into uh, physical theater. Um, I, you know, started training. Actually, Nigel, you you came back, were following me at the time, got to come back to Wright State where I went to school um, and meet some oh, of my damn. old professors. <laughs> um, Uh, because I came back and did some intimacy work for them. Um, And uh, uh, that was where I got into stage combat and I started to do physical theater and uh, I started to uh, train as a fight director. And, um, you know, I also, and as I was coming Coming through, uh, working as a or becoming a fight director, really and a stage combat teacher, you know, I saw also a lot of cultural issues in the stage combat community as well, um, where you know, especially being a woman in, and this is just as a as a white woman in the stage combat community, seeing um, situations mishandled and cultural issues. Um, so I still had a great deal of privilege in that, um, but uh I like I said I, I found myself in situations where I was being asked to handle intimate scenes or just scenes with more um you know and there was this whole machismo feeling also to in the in the fight direction world and the stunt court and the stunt world where I slowly started to work my way into um doing some film and tv work um but uh uh so in that, there sort of became this hybrid. Of course, I, I um, ran into and uh, well, actually, I, I was I went seeking her out, Tonya Cena, who had created something called or at least coin the phrase intimacy choreography. Um, I had had that experience during that theater production. And uh, I was also helping some NYU students do uh, their stunt coordination for their student films. And I had a student who came to me and said, you know, i got a sex scene coming up. What do I do? And I was like, well, let's look at what our protocols are for the sex scenes. (laughs) Okay. There are no protocols for sex scenes (laughs) that I can find. Let's treat this how we treated the stunt that we just did we did a high fall for your last film let's talk about this so let's talk about the talk to the performers about what exactly they're doing let's talk about what they're what stunt pads they'd be wearing let's talk about what but also let's talk about what they're comfortable with what are they okay with and let's talk through the choreography of what this is going to be let's do a rehearsal Um, and we started to set down these protocols and the response we got from those performers were god i've never felt so taken care of for a scene like this and, and having the the prep work, having the conversations, having this all set up, this is a whole different world. So that's when I went seeking uh, Tonya Cena out and said, Hey, I'm, I'm doing something that I think is, is like what you do. And we ended up meeting in a uh, apartment in Brooklyn and sat around for like five hours and <laughs> talking. And she was like, you want to start a company? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, so we started, uh, the non-for-profit intimacy directors international. Um, now we run a for-profit, which is intimacy directors and coordinators, which is where, um, uh, do most of the training out of, which is where, um, this training is that we're doing, um, uh, for Australia out of too. of course, Going in that, because I'm sure we'll come back to that. Um, I ended up working on uh, The Deuce on HBO. They were the first ones after, uh, m- this was all before the Me Too movement happened. And uh, um, of course the Me Too move- movement was a watershed moment or the the resurgence of the Me Too movement as that was actually created by um, Tarana Burke in 2003. This was the resurgence of the Me Too movement in 2000. Uh, 2000- Oh God!
2: Sixteen was it?
3: Yes, it was. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> with the uh, Harvey Weinstein um, uh, allegations, um, once that happened, that was when suddenly phones started ringing off the hook. We had been doing workshops, we had been doing some work, um, but people were not picking it up as much. And when the Me Too movement happened, it's like suddenly there was a click. Well. Me Too movement happened and Trump was elected. And that was the click. It was almost like everyone went, at least here in the States, whoa, 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 (laughs) whoa, At least that was my experience. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Um, So so, yeah, so um, uh, about a month later, That was when I got hired at Juilliard. I got brought in by um, one of the producers from The Deuce called me and said, I'm looking at a website. I see you do something called intimacy coordination. I think we need you. I don't really know what it is, but I think we need you. And the next day I was in a meeting with David Simon and George Pelicanos and Nina Noble and some uh, lawyers from HBO. And they were like, so what do you do? How does this work? And we talked, and uh, it was through that production that we really set what the um, standards and protocols were for intimacy coordinating. And um, we needed something that was going to work from you know one and two on the call sheet to every background performer because this was a production that was all about um the rise of the pornography industry in the 70s and 80s in New York City. So there's a lot of nudity and and after my first meeting with the cast, I remember the creative producer looking over to me and saying, "Well, you better start training people because we've got a lot of nudity and we've got a lot of simulated sex at HBO." Um, and uh, within the year, they ended up hiring me on to uh, overhaul the intimacy protocols for HBO Studios. And I continue to work uh, for HBO um, as their in-house intimacy coordinator um, and uh, train and vet their intimacy coordinators for their productions and also teach through IDC.
2: Uh, well, you know what's- I held I The hell mean- the journey. <laughs> It's an amazing journey. It's amazing. But I, what I love about this, it's purely personal for me, is that stacks up so well against how I represent you. Whenever I whenever I um, teach, I always begin by giving a background on you. And it's consistent. <laughs> I haven't embellished it that much. It's
3: awesome. <laughs> okay,
2: good. <laughs> so, it's,
3: so it's good. A wi- yeah. It was a wild journey, I got to say. <laughs> Yeah,
2: and look for me it was really it um I mean I love that I love having that journey um re expressed back to me but also it makes me reflect on my own journey and how I went into the work and really um I started training in the work because I wanted to have my own practice vetted against people that were starting to develop um, industry best practice and I never really stepped into the um, into the training to become an intimacy director or an intimacy coordinator, I just wanted to literally have my my practice assessed and you know and develop it. And then it was through it's through that training with you and with IDI that I started to think about. Um, maybe there, maybe there is a pathway there. Maybe I should stay. And, and obviously, at some point, you said you should, you should do this. <laughs> and I was like, I should, I should. I will you. <laughs> if you, if you mentor me, I'll do it. <laughs> you and you <her>, went, all right. <laughs>
3: all right. It didn't go exactly like that. However, <laughs> well, and and it's interesting because you know people bring up gender, and I have you know, I I know intimate i i know and have trained and work with intimacy directors and coordinators who are not women or who are you know and are, are like is this is this a a thing for me it's like yeah absolutely the idea that only a woman could do this role um or or not a man can do this role um i mean that just Pushes into the whole idea that um, one a gender cannot be trusted. Um, You know, there are plenty of incredible intimacy directors and coordinators all across the gender spectrum who are doing this work successfully and beautifully. And uh, Nigel, I count you as one of those people
2: oh thank you thank you I think it's so I mean it is honestly it's so wonderful to hear you say that and and you know obviously it is something I do come across um here a lot so I'm really grateful that um well I'm grateful that I have your support because you know that I when I do meet meet it I do come to you (laughs) um but uh, you know but also it's just lovely to have it um you know just phrased again in that way so i, I appreciate that a lot yeah, um,
3: yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we can't ignore the fact that there that I- disproportionate uh, amount of women have been um, affected by bad course. intimacy practices in the past and we can't ignore that so you know one That's person right. saying i may be more comfortable or less comfortable um with a certain person or not that is that can happen it's bound to happen with anyone um but you know, I I think as as a hard and fast rule, there's no way that we can discount um, a a certain type of person from this work.
2: I think that's right. And I think the acknowledging, absolutely acknowledging that 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 has existed and it has been disproportionate like that is really important. And then for me, the other side of it is saying, and once again, I draw on my, my, my specific backgrounds and analogies of it's like saying only a, a stunt coordinator can only be a male, you know, yeah. so, so it, it's the same kind of, it's the same kind of idea where you're, you're assigning a role to a gender and excluding a whole, a whole, <laughs> a whole other area of of wonderful input so yeah this it's tricky and i understand why there is those perceptions for sure and i acknowledge that those perceptions exist i wonder then um you know i it's talk, we've talked a lot about our backgrounds indirectly but what about um like because for me, you know, I, I was really lucky. I, I feel I was very lucky. I, you know, I, I obviously went over and did a series of training workshops with IDI, but I also had this wonderful experience, which you alluded to, which was like following you around for three months um, and going on set and uh, and teaching with you and assisting you. And um, it, was, it was an absolutely amazing experience for me. Um, and But part of it. Which I found really intriguing was the day-to-day stuff that we did. So when we weren't necessarily on set, or we weren't flying to Wright state uni to, to deliver a, a, a workshop, you know, hanging out at your place and and developing um, developing programs and looking at um, looking at writers and 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 and, 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 and when appropriate listening into your conversations, um, your <laughs> yeah. interviews and stuff. Uh, and then, and then obviously not, um, because there, there are obviously very different levels of <laughs> <boundaries>.
0: um,
2: discretion <laughs> required in there boundaries. Um, but yeah, I, I, mean, I found that element of it. Um, I loved it. I, I was really, I just thought, this is not something that, you know, I, I, I would have been exposed to, you know, like I was just, I guess, I guess, actually, I'm lucky to be here as a witness to all of this stuff as well as all the other stuff. Is it worth sort of talking about that, like the day to day elements of the work? I mean,
3: I believe this event is called A Day in the Life of the Nineteenth. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you should probably cover it.
2: Read the title, Nigel, read the title. <laughs>
3: Okay, so and I I will say that obviously intimacy coordination for film and television is going to be a bit different than intimacy direction for theater. Um, but I, I mean, and and it's fine because I I think back on that Nigel when you were just like basically coming, up, it's like okay, you want you want to immerse yourself in this, come on over. I'm going to be doing some calls, and you're going to be hearing it. And I mean, it's truly one of. Uh, I think one of the best ways I've been able to train someone is just be like, okay, you're gonna listen into exactly what this sounds like. And it's why some of my training just ends up being like role play and like talking through um, director calls and actor calls and stuff like that, because that's that's some of the best ways that people can and developing protocols and developing um, uh, programming. Like that's that's some of the best ways to, um, that's it's why it's how I do some of my teaching now. Um, so, uh, so day in the life of an intimacy coordinator, intimacy director, um, you know, so much of the work that we do is prep work. Um, so before we're even on set or before we're even in rehearsal, there's a huge amount of prep work. So I may be starting a day, um, you know, doing an intimacy meeting with say, the director, you know, if it's a theater production, then uh, with the director or producer um, to hear exactly what it is that we're anticipating for the show, what they're looking at, what the conversations have been like with the actors already, what has been negotiated in their contracts, if anything has been, um, you know, and if something hasn't been negotiated, knowing my way around talking about that, um, talking about what that would be like um uh then there are prep calls that i have after i talk with the director or the producer there's also a conversation with the actor as far as what they and i'm going to go to film and television lean a little bit more just because it's a little bit easier to go into one or the other with this but yeah i think that's great (laughs) <laughs> but there's always a converse an intimacy meeting that's with you know the the director the producer usually the ads so that we know exactly what the protocols are and know what exactly is being asked of the actors um then there's a conversation with the actors making sure the actors and the directors have connected um, and then my conversations with the actors is introducing myself the protocols if they've never worked with an intimacy coordinator before um, and talking through you know, is all the information that I got the same information they got? Um, Are we all on the same page? What are you willing to do? What are you not willing to do? Where are your boundaries? Um, And uh, talking about what exactly, and then what that day is going to look like for them when they're doing an intimate scene. Um, There's also, you know, There's lots of phone calls or meetings, phone calls and meetings with the costume department as far as what's going to be. So uh, making sure they're looped in on everything. Uh, Sometimes if it's... (sighs) And there are lots of different intimate scenes or scenes with nudity. Um, It might be talking with and uh, coordinating with the uh, makeup department, if there's prosthetics involved, coordinating with the stunt department, um, you know. And as a theater practitioner, I will be brought in as the fight director sometimes and the intimacy director, um, because that is my background, that is my wheelhouse, that is my my professional experience. Um, But when I'm on set, I'm never the stunt coordinator with the int- as the in- and the intimacy coordinator because the stunt coordinator has hiring and firing power and I can't have hiring and firing power as the intimacy coordinator. That is too much power for someone to be a liaison or an advocate. Um, so there's conversations, there's lots of meetings that are happening, um, and then when you're on set. I'm coming in. I'm having conversation. I'm checking in with the actors. I'm checking in with the director. Checking in with the ads. I'm making friends with all of the PAs so that and all the ads so that they know that I am okay to come to. If they see that something is off or there's an issue, Um, and then when we're on set, we're we're either in a rehearsal. We're setting up what those scenes are. I'm working with costumes, talking with them about what their what the modesty garments are, what kind of barriers we're using because God knows no one should be asked to do an intimate scene with genital to genital contact. There should not just be some uh, a piece of cloth there but a barrier there as well. So we're talking through what that is. Um, As you can imagine, with all these conversations, there's a lot of skills that are coming into this that people have to be coming with um, to the table before they can even be trained to do this. So um, people who are, because I know we're going to get into this, so I may as well get into it now. Um, (laughs) Um, People who are are looking to do this should be coming from at least 10 years of experience in the industry, um, theater or film industry, so that they know all of the interworkings of a production before they're getting into it. Um, I know there are some people who come from a therapy background or whatnot. They're like, Hey, this is maybe this is my in into the industry, but I much prefer to train people that are coming from an industry background so that they, um, cause this is a whole new profession. You're not only trying to successfully complete this job you're also teaching everyone how to interact with this job so you have to know how the costumer works you have to know how a producer works how a director works and all that jazz so that you're able to navigate those um, uh, much much easier than someone coming in and not knowing anything about the industry um,
2: you, you, you also have to you know be able to interpret um the language too, you know, you've got to be able to interpret the, the theatrical vision that the director is looking for. And then you have to, you have to then be able to express that to the, to the actors in a way that um, that they can understand and in a, in, in a way that will best help them fulfill that, you know, and obviously without a knowledge and understanding of acting process you won't understand that actors have lots of different ways of working there's no one way that an actor works there's no one consistent way and so you've got to be really sympathetic and aware of that right absolutely
3: there is an empathy but there's also a knowledge of actor process and a knowledge of choreography that you want to be coming to the table with Um, Mm. you know there and and I've seen people come f- successfully from a variety of different backgrounds um, yeah. to successfully work as an intimacy director or intimacy coordinator. But in general, you gotta have that foundational knowledge, especially going through, a, qu- trying to go through a quicker process. Um, but you know, this is a this is a practice. This is not just something that you can go into, um, you know, a, a few weeks of training for. Even the training that we're offering here um, uh, with the Equity Foundation, this is a part of your process. It's like when, you know, people are like, so when can I be an intimacy director? When can I be an intimacy coordinator? It's like, well, when are you a fight director? When are you an actor? Um, this is a continual process that you are training that you are going through training for. And then you continue to work, um, uh, to, uh, work and train, uh, as you are continuing through your career.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. And it brings me right back to the beginning um, when Alex was doing the introductions um, and uh, she said that I trained with Alicia, which, which stuck out with me because I don't think I trained with Alicia. I train with her and I'll continue to train you know, like, I, Mike, I, I don't think and I hope that my training is never completed, really, because, you know, I think that we're all learning things um, and, and evolving as we go. But obviously, um, I, I am um, I have the benefit of your wealth of experience and knowledge. And, you know, I, I want to be able to accept that. For as long as I'm doing this work so my yeah, my training and, is is ongoing
3: and my training is ongoing my training is not complete and the more people that I you know that I meet and work with um you know I I continue to learn and grow and stay humble um because that's that that's the only way I find success is is just always be training
2: yeah. And there's something else like, the, like that was a wonderful snapshot of, of a day in the life of. But I mean, it really, um, what you did in kind of long form is articulate the three major components of the work, wasn't it? Which is about pre production, production, and post production. And the intimacy coordinator has to intersect with the production at those, at those three stages for that, for that job to actually be successful. And, and be legitimate and not just symbolic, That those, those intersection points need to be there, don't they?
3: Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. There's got to be some sort of knowledge of the process. And, and it's true. It's like the intimacy coordinator and intimacy director works in um, the uh, pre-production, production, and then in uh, post-production as well even. There are times I'm taking phone calls from actors after scenes or I'm getting called in uh, during editing about... You know, is this exactly what's on someone's rider, um, and that is something to bring up. Uh, not you know, and this is something that you can learn, and we do teach in the uh, in the work uh, about nudity riders or waivers. Um, at least that's what we use in the states. Um, they're, you know, it's basically subcontracts that people will, will use um, to set what exactly it is that they have agreed to for nudity or simulated sex uh, on set. And hmm. the, those contracts also exist in theatre as well. And so there's and you have, it, it, conversations you, in that.
2: You have input into that too, don't you? You have input into the, the way, the, the language that's used um, and and the degree of... Information and the degree of nudity, if if that is what that writer is addressing, you have input to that. And keep coming back to the to the idea that your knowledge is 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 specialist. It's professional and it's specialist. You you bring in um, a very particular knowledge and understanding of a very particular area, and that's the difference. And that's why it's, I think that's really important to kind of to draw out.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um look, we are we, we we wanted to leave some time for questions. We've got about 10 minutes left. I would love to just quickly because you and I both kind of just throwing out these terms intimacy director and intimacy coordinator. Um I wonder if it's just really worthwhile just super quickly defining what the difference is and why we're using these two terms.
3: <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, you know, this is just a, a a preference, really, um, a, as far as professionally. Um, just like I enjoy the term fight director for when I am fight directing something, uh, someone could call me a fight choreographer, and I'm not going to be offended by that. But <laughs> same thing with intimacy. Um, when I'm working in theater, I usually I use the term intimacy director. Um, and uh, for uh, for film and television, I use intimacy coordinator. Um, if someone called me an intimacy coordinator uh, for a theater job. I would not be offended by that. (laughs) I just think it is more appropriate um, specifically because there is so much more coordination that I'm doing between departments as the intimacy coordinator um, and uh, working mostly as an, I feel as an intimacy director choreographer uh, for the theater.
2: It also speaks to language of precedent as well, doesn't it? Because in film, we do have um, coordinators. We have fight coordinator, stunt coordinator. And so that, that language sort of exists through the, through the structure. And yeah. in, in theatre, we have fight director, movement director. And so it kind of, in a way, honours or at least just makes sense of the language that's used in both those areas. <laughs>
3: yeah and it gives people more of a because this is a new profession this is a new um role uh it allows people to um to 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 click for people of like oh this is how i use it okay got it got it like like a fight director except we're doing this um i just got a direct message that was a question are you on set for the duration of the film series or are you brought in only during intimate scenes um and i wanted to respond to that um Uh, that I am usually brought in only for the intimate scenes. But if it is a show where there is a large amount of intimacy, you know, like the deuce, uh, 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 like, like uh, few shows I've been on there's usually a conversation at the top of everything um, so I have a conversation with the actors at the top of the, uh, of the series so that we also know where their arc is going they're aware of what is happening we can sort of set the precedent for how the work is going to go um, and then I'm also available to them um, like during the deuce I was available to any of the actors for conversations about scenes things that were coming up um, and because I had that relationship with the directors and the producers at that time. Um, So um, when I'm brought in for a, and usually people want a consistency with the intimacy coordinator to have the same coordinator throughout the, the series or throughout the film. There are absolutely some times that we'll have a cover or, you know, there's a day, there were days that it was all background performers I was usually on, but if I had to be on another show, when they were bringing me out to Watchmen, I would have someone else cover me for someone, uh, for some of the actors that um, we weren't keeping consistent with.
2: Great, great. Well, given that you just did answer a question, should we just move for- <laughs> across? Oh, sure. And uh, <laughs> over open the floor to other questions?
1: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll start and um... Here's
0: Catherine. Uh, yes, good morning. Sorry, hello. Thank you so much, Lisa. Hi, Nigel. Thank you. Hi, um, Look, I hi. Um, look, I've just got a quick question um, regarding the theatre industry. In my experience, um, some directors, in order to sort of save time when doing production rehearsals, they pre-select couples um, in a rehearsal. Uh, these are directors that come in and out of our rep company without any prior consultation with anyone as to who might feel uncomfortable or not comfortable. And, uh, and you're sort of paired up in public, you know, in the rehearsal with someone and then they go, go. And now we want sexual sort of flavor, um, which is very difficult to uh, (laughs) say uh, no (laughs) you picked me with, you put me with someone I don't want to be with uh, for whatever reason. And um, but it's kind of too late in that moment and then you're meant to sort of be sexual with this person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that culture needs to change in terms of directors and 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 not sort of be assumptive that um, everybody in that rep company is comfortable with each other. And in my experience, I think this is um, a real issue. Yeah, that's just my question, and I don't know how we sort of fix that or who they would consult with in a company to um, make this better. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much,
3: good Nigel. Oh,
2: no, I know I um, I I really want you to answer this, Alicia, but I do ha- I do have um I do have a couple of preliminary thoughts about that because obviously it is something that is very present, um, and I think that part of it. This is not the solution, but part of it is. Um, People accepting that the that like the director is accepting that there are lots of different ways to to um, fulfil that creative vision and 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 people seem to be much more willing to do that when it's movement than they do when it's intimacy and so uh, it's sort of helping people understand I think a big part of it is helping people understand that there are a lot of different ways to achieve intimacy lots of lots of different ways to achieve it than just the normative way of doing it um because as a as a movement director and as a fight director i see i see choices made um and changes made to to the actual literal physical interpretation of the text all the time because of any number of reasons and we seem quite happy to make those adjustments but we don't seem that happy to make those adjustments when it's intimate i think it's because we kind of get locked down in these in these visions and these ideas and that's where someone like an intimacy director, I believe, will help provide different opportunities and different ideas and different perspectives around that work. But there's a lot more to that question. Absolutely. But I'd love to hear what you say, Alicia.
3: Yeah, I, I think you're you're right on Nigel. You know, it's that whole idea, it's this magical thinking around intimacy of like, oh, but it's intimacy. It's like, no, no, it's it's another it's another storytelling. Uh, conversation. It's another storytelling device. Um, and and Catherine, I'm completely with you. That should be a consent conversation. That's a conversation of uh, with the actors ahead of time of are you comfortable doing this? Are you okay doing this? Because um, you know what? And I go back and forth on using the term comfortable just as a side thing, because it's like art is uncomfortable and that's fine. But are you safe? Are you okay with with performing as a couple with this person, um, you know, and having that conversation ahead of time so that you're not in that uncomfortable situation when you are on, uh, in rehearsal, um, face to face with someone, because you might not want to say, no, I don't want to perform as a couple with this person. Um, at uh, when when they are right there, so this is something where the conversation should be having should be happening ahead of time before you get to that rehearsal. Um, the actors should be aware so that they can give that consent before you're actually in that situation. Yeah, it's
2: great. I I, and I think that they're like in the in the the, some of the larger theatre companies that those conversations really are starting to happen and and the the directors are definitely looking at the work. um, looking at the work in a in a much longer arc and looking at it in pre-production and engaging in these conversations and in the ind- independent section not so much but i had a wonderful experience um, where i i was engaged to work for an independent um theater company um, production um, uh, which which i i volunteered to do because there's no budget for it but um, I, I i wanted to help educate um, and support the actors in this process but also educate the the, the director because the director was was open and willing to this and so we had a great discussion and an ongoing discussion about how we will manage these moments of intimacy and and we engaged in these conversations before casting even started so that when the casting wow. was happening the director was having these conversations so i think you know i Absolutely. think it, it, as people become more aware of the, the processes around and the opportunities that these processes provide, they will engage, in them. and they'll always get people that won't. And there's just nothing you can do about that. But mm-hmm. generally, um, just educating people and showing them that there's a lot, there's a lots of different ways to do this, um, and still maintain your artistic integrity, your artistic vision. I think it's really important. It's a great question.
0: Thank you. <laughs>
3: Do we have time for another? We've got a little bit. There's one
1: question here that I will ask on behalf. Um, Sorry, I've just lost it there for a second. It is, when you're rehearsing intimate content prior to the shoot day, uh, do you do it on the set on the same day of the shoot or prior?
3: Absolutely depends. I often like and this is something that we usually will talk about with the actors of would you like to do a rehearsal ahead of time because there are some scenes that we absolutely want to do a rehearsal a few days ahead of time. And there are some times in some scenes that actors are like, no, nope, I just want to you know, we know what it is it sounds pretty cut and dry. We just want to do uh, do the um, the the rehearsal right before we go and shoot, we don't need to do it over and over again or do a rehearsal beforehand. So that's something that um, uh, more often than not we're gonna wanna do a rehearsal a few days ahead of time, but there, I've also been in plenty of situations where we just wanna do the rehearsal right before camera rehearsal and then go from there. Um, And there's no need to, to, to belabor it at all.
2: That's a, it's a great answer because you know, it speaks to the idea that this is why experience is so important because you've got to be able to read the room you've got to understand where the actors are at you want to, you want to employ the protocols um, uh, in the right way and, and there's lots of different ways that you can employ that, those protocols and if you're not listening to um, the input from the actors then you're not doing your job properly I think
1: Mm-hmm. Now if we've gone past, but I'll ask one more question if you don't mind, and I'll ask it on their behalf yeah. because of time. Can you speak to the importance of having a mentor? Is it okay to have more than one mentor? And how open uh, are productions to having an ID trainee in the rehearsal room or on set?
3: Oh it is so important to have mentors, and it is so important to have multiple mentors. I have multiple mentors, um, and and along every spectrum of identity that you can that you can think of, it is wildly important um, to diversify your your mentors and your mentees, the people that you are then helping from then on. And I believe this in everything, uh, intimacy, uh, and everything else. Um, uh, uh, As far as we are in covid times so it is very difficult to get a, a trainee on set however um, when when we are not in covid times it was a bit easier but you know when we're closing up a set um we, it's not easy. I'm not going to lie. Um, however, being in, uh, certain situations, especially when you're working with, um, uh, more background performers, um, uh, than series regulars, it's a bit easier to get a, a trainee on set. I was able to get Nigel on set with me for, um, uh, for a few episodes, which was, which was fantastic. Um, so, I have had success um, having some pull, but also um, having someone coming, talking to the producers ahead of time that um, I am going to need to have someone on set with me to follow me because they're going to be taking over for a few days for me is also a great way to get a trainee on set.
2: Yeah, that's great. Great, and I, you know, I guess that's really your the, the last part of your answer there really highlights why a mentor is so important because it is quite difficult to get on set, um, which is why you know you need to be able to debrief and check in with someone when you're doing this work all the time so that you um, to help you through and navigate your way through a very complex and difficult process really.
3: Oh, yeah. And it's it's community. Community is such a huge part of this, especially with a new profession like this. I mean, I am constantly in contact with intimacy coordinators and intimacy directors that I have that I have both trained, but also we continue to train and work with each other. I'm constantly in conversation with things that have happened on set. Um, I mean, God, I remember calling Tonya from those first days on the deuce being like, I have no idea what to do in this situation. What do you think? Um, you know, it's again, part of the humility of of this work um, is knowing that you don't have all the answers. And sometimes it's actually more often than not it is a reasonable assessment of the situation coming from your own industry knowledge that you are coming from and your own just knowledge and as, as a human. I- no.
1: We've gone past time, but I wanted to say I want to say thank you on behalf of everyone here. Um, thank you to Alicia and Nigel. It's Sunday night in New York for Alicia, so she was very, very kindly uh, took part on her evening off. This has been incredibly valuable. Uh, I am going to be copying all the questions that unfortunately we didn't get to, and we will uh, see if we can put those in the frequently asked questions. So. Don't feel that your questions are not going to be answered. And, of course, and also if you have any further questions, go to info at equityfoundation.org.au and we will, again, will endeavour to answer everything. And keep your eye out on Thursday's bulletin for further information about the scholarships. So... Thank you again, Alicia and Nigel. This has been a fabulous opportunity for everyone. There's been so much interest and it was wonderful to be able to get, get so much information from both of you. So thank you.
3: Absolutely. Thank, thank you for you. having me.
2: Thanks, yeah. Nigel. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, and Alex. Thanks, for Thank Mary. you. And thank you for everyone to turn up. Thank you, everyone, for turning up. Um, look forward to the questions. which are,
1: There are many. So thanks, so everyone. There are. Thank you, everyone, for coming and taking Thank, you. Thank you. Talk soon.
3: Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. That was excellent.
0: Thanks Thank you. Take off.
3: Thank you very much.
0: Media Super is the principal sponsor of the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work of the Foundation, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Australian Actors' Equity on Facebook and Twitter.